Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. I love that last song we sang. That, that picture of being Mary Magdalene in the garden and after such a, a, a weekend of disappointment and frustration and confusion and just the feeling of being lost, to walk into that garden and run into the, what she supposed was the gardener that turned out to be the Lord and having that conversation with him and uh, it, it just, it would be a joy that none had ever known. And uh, that's just such a beautiful picture of, of being able to be in communion with, with the Savior. And that's what we have here. Uh, and I, I thank you for coming. I thank you for being a part of what we are, are trying to do here in serving the Lord. Uh, just by way of announcement, before I get started into the lesson today, I, I gave Alan this announcement, and I'm sure he gave it, but I wanted to give further explanation uh, because not all the adults that will be in the adult class next quarter were in here. Uh, but on the back table uh, in front of the sound room is, a, is the Bible reading schedule, uh, and I printed that out. But next to the Bible reading schedule is our class's reading schedule for in the auditorium. Uh, we're not going to be quite following the same Bible schedule that, uh, that the rest of the classes will be doing. We will be in the book of Luke, uh, but we're going to take a more intensive view of the teachings of Jesus from the book of Luke than the, just the storyline itself. And so I would encourage you to do both readings. So one reading will just take you through the book of Luke in order, uh, which is what all the classes are doing, and the other readings will be more specific to the class we'll be doing in here. So go ahead and try to do both. I don't think they will take you that long. So uh, grab that if you will be in the auditorium class next quarter. It's on the back table. All right, that all being said, let me jump into today's lesson. I entitled it Going Deeper, and we, we use this phrase or phrases like it, like drawing nearer or, uh, you know, going deeper or just that idea of, of creating closeness, that, that sense of having a very deep relationship with God. That's difficult for me. And I, I, the, the sermon this morning and we'll, we'll continue it this evening... Uh, these are very personal topics for me because this is something that I personally, as a, as a man, struggle with quite a bit. I don't tend to draw close to people. I don't tend to grow very deep in relationships with people. I'm really good at acquaintances, and I think I'm fairly good at making people comfortable with me and feel as if we have a relationship. But if I'm being honest, just truly, bluntly, lay it all on the table honest, I don't feel very close to most people. And I, I don't know what to blame that on. You always want to find something to blame it on. And it, 
the, the, maybe it's the fact that we moved a lot as a kid. Uh, I think the longest stay we had anywhere when I was a kid was for uh, almost six years in South Carolina, but in every other place I lived, we moved after about two or three years, my entire life growing up. And so by the time you were in school and you were building relationships and getting close to people, boom, up, nope, we're moving. Sever all of those relationships, we're starting over somewhere else. And maybe that contributed, um, but again, I, I don't know, but that should have made me draw even closer to my family, the ones that went with me everywhere, but I don't know that it really did. I wouldn't say that I'm not close to my family, but uh, I mean, use my brother as an example. We speak maybe twice a year. My sister lives in South Birmingham, and I see her at holidays. That's about it. Uh, camp. We also see each other at camp. I would drop everything going on in my life and run down and rescue her if she needed it. I, I, there's not. It's, it's not that there's a lack of familial connection. It's not that there's a lack of of love, but she's not the one I'm going to call and rejoice with. She's not the one I'm going to develop a daily relationship with. Honestly, think I, I just have a personality issue. The best excuse or explanation, Sandra's like, yeah, you do. So, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, it, I, I don't know what it is. But I'll be honest, I'm very content with shallow relationships. I, I just am. It's just the way my brain, my heart works. I'll be honest with a lot of people, I'm content with no relationship. I wouldn't even say there's something shallow there. I'm very content with friendliness and how you're doing type relationships where you walk past each other and say, how you doing? And the other person says, I'm fine. And you say, great. And that's the extent of your conversation. And I'll be honest, from a personal basis, I think this is why I harp so much on fellowship. Because I'm not good at it. It is not a natural thing for me. And so I, I look at that topic and I I look at that commandment in Scripture and I look at that ideal that we're given as a church and as Christians and I, I see my own deficiencies in it and I'm like, that's what I need to be preaching on. But I, I don't know that I need to be preaching on it because we are not good at it as much as I'm not good at it. It's not my go-to gift. And it's something that I struggle with. The difficult part of all of this is that I, I, I feel in a lot of ways, and maybe I shouldn't be basing sermons off my feelings, but I feel in a lot of ways that that has maybe transferred to my relationship to God in some ways. That because I'm so content with shallowness and friendliness and acquaintanceships, that I wonder if I don't hold God at arm's length sometimes. And that I don't treat God like a good acquaintance. 
that he's fun to talk to when it's convenient, but he's not the one that I turn to on the daily basis. I mean, and that, that doesn't mean I don't study my Bible and that I don't pray and that I don't do the things that Christians are supposed to do. But I don't know that I truly have developed the, the, the type of relationship and dependency and love that I should have developed. Maybe I have, and, and I'm making more out of this than I should, but there's something in me, and this has really been true probably in the past year or so, maybe because of the pandemic and other things going on, where I have looked at my relationship with God and said, I'm not doing all I should be doing. And I wonder if we couldn't all make that same confession. Are you doing as much as you can do to develop your relationship with God? I, notice I didn't say, are you doing as much as you can do in devoted service to God? I said in developing a relationship with God. Are you going deeper in the way you should be going deeper? Let me give a couple of caveats before we get into this too deeply. One is that this will not be a thorough presentation, nor do I have a thorough understanding or answer as to how to do this, because I don't. I am developing this as I grow, as I mature. So I want to share with you what I've come across thus far. Maybe it will help you too. Another caveat might be, uh, that this, this is something I personally struggle with. And I don't mean that from a, from a position of immorality. I, I, I can't really point at some immoral thing that I'm doing or some sin that I'm not letting go of or uh, any sort of sense in which we typically talk about this. I mean this just strictly in a I know there's so much more God has for me that I am not accessing or that I have not yet understood or that I have not grown deeply in. And I want that. And I wonder sometimes maybe if I get that feeling not because of my shallowness but because I have seen how deeply you can go and I'm just not there yet. Maybe it's one of those, the more you know, the more you know you need to know concepts. Maybe there's that in my relationship with God. Of the, the deeper I go, the deeper I see you can go, and so the more shallow I feel. I don't know. But I do know there's more. And I want to go deeper. I, I'm going to tell you... I, I do think that we have some sort of shallow views on how to do this. As I typically do, I, I like to get just kind of a, a layman's perspective of what needs to be done and how we can do these things better. So, you know, I typed in something into Google, something like how to grow deeper in my relationship with God. And here, here's the first thing that came up, okay? This article, this big blog post by a girl she said, there, there's 13 steps to growing deeper with God, I, and I'll list them for you. Forgive yourself, forgive others who have wronged you, stay away from, temptation, or from tension, 
saturate yourself with his presence, control what you see and hear, social media, struggle with that one a little bit, uh, don't be pressured, be submissive, get out of a dead church, pray, and that came with seven exclamation marks, by the way, get out of a dead church, ah! like that, that was the presentation of it. Be, uh, uh, pray to God to give you fresh fire, take time out to fast, get a spiritual mentor, and number 13, share your faith with others. And, and I'll be honest, it, 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 it's, it's not a bad list on the surface. And I'll be honest, it's the same kind of list I have preached numerous times. Here's what stood out to me as I, as I read this blog post. One is nearly every single thing on that list is focused on me. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of times our answer when it comes to developing a relationship with God is self-focused and not God-focused. And if that weren't clear enough, I, I think maybe the reason that stood out to me with this particular blog post is that scattered through this long list of words and paragraphs were beautiful pictures of herself in a new outfit. I'm assuming it was a new outfit. It was her posing in all of these different ways and this really nice outfit, which just seemed very off from an article designed to draw you closer to God. And, and I, I kind of wonder if we don't do that same thing. That we get so self-focused, so intent on improving ourselves and peace for ourselves and, and better understanding and better habits and better practices that we get all focused on what we need to be doing and very little about what we need to be developing. If I'm trying to grow closer to my wife, I doubt very many of you would come to me and say, well, Adam, the best thing you can do to draw closer to your wife is just think about yourself a little more. W would that be your advice? Or, or, Adam, I, if you want to draw closer to your wife, what you need to do is just wear better outfits. Or fix your hair different. Or get in better shape. Or find some way of improving yourself in some way that will cause you to all, to, all of a sudden be in a closer relationship with her. But is that not the advice we give to people about their relationship with God? The best way you can be close to God is to improve yourself. Really? I, I have a hard time with that because it just doesn't make sense in other contexts. You know, we'll hear things about you just need to believe. You just need to have a, a greater faith and and. And as long as you believe and you believe thoroughly, then, then you'll, be, you'll, 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 you'll get deep in your relationship with God or, or you just need to have 
that faith that really is the foundation for everything we're doing. And you just need to obey more. You need to get rid of the bad stuff out of your life and you need to start bringing in the good stuff out of your life so that you're not d disappointing God and you're pleasing God and that will develop your relationship. Or you just need to have more habitual service. As long as you're doing the right things regularly, God and you will be close. Just, just read and pray more. I'll be honest, I, I kind of wonder if that's not our answer for every Christian ill. Just read your Bible more and pray more and everything else will fix itself. That's my problem with that. I can do all of that with C.S. Lewis. I, I can believe C.S. Lewis truly spoke good words and had a good heart. And he was a good man, and uh, he taught a lot of truth. And he truly did live, and I, I have faith that his teachings are good. And as long as I obey his teaching and do the things he said I should be doing, C.S. Lewis and I are going to be close. C.S. Lewis and I are going to have a deep relationship. As long as I devote myself to, to ritualistically doing what C.S. Lewis teaches in his book, and as long as I make sure I read his books every day, at least, at least for 10 minutes every single day, and I spend about five minutes meditating on his words, then he and I, we're going to be close bosom buddies. Would anybody argue that? But we do with God. We do. It's the same thing with, with, with any relationship. I'll be honest. I have a hard time believing that this is the answer. I'm not saying it isn't part of the answer. I'm not saying we can dismiss the Bible and never say a prayer again. That's not my point. Don't take things too extreme. But I do want us to understand that there is more to it than better service. And there is more to it than bettering yourself. Being in a relationship with God is not about perfection. And if ever we needed proof of that, just look at King David. I mean, here's a man from before he was king was told he was the man after God's own heart. He was a man who had a deep, abiding relationship with God. He was a man who wrote so many of the psalms that we turn to that cause us to reflect internally about our relationship with God. And he was a sinful, broken man. And his life got worse and worse and worse the longer it went on wasn't about perfection there was something else to it now did David pray often yeah did he read the scriptures often he often talked about how much he loved the word of God and the commandments and the precepts he found there did he believe in his God and did he obey his God yes generally speaking I'm not convinced that it's those things that caused him to be a man after God's own heart. I'm not convinced it's those things that caused him to love the Lord the way he loved the Lord. There's more to it than that.
I think part of our problem in this, this particular discussion is that we have a poor view of what, who God is. Uh, God is not just some beneficiary. I think we view him that way sometimes. And, and generally not when things are good. That's not when we're, we're counting on God to be some sort of benevolent gift giver. It's when things aren't going right, when things are bad when we're struggling, when, when we're fighting against depression, when we're fighting against the circumstances of life, we're like, God, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? My question is, why or do we understand that that's what God's supposed to do? Why are we trying to claim God is something he does not claim himself to be? It, yes, he is a gift giver, but that does not mean he has failed if you're not receiving the gift you want to receive. But I think we think that way sometimes. God is not dependent on us. I think we live that way sometimes. We act like we've got to go out there and do these works and do this service and offer this worship because God is counting on us. Where does it say that? Where does, I mean, the Bible teaches in Acts 17 that God does not need us. He is sufficient and entirely capable and entirely able to exist and, and dwell and be, be happy without us. He doesn't need us. We don't provide some service for God that God is dependent on. God is not unknown. He has made himself abundantly revealed through Scripture. Now, that, by that, I don't mean we can understand everything about God, but is there a lot that we can know about God? Yeah. Here's what I've always found interesting about the revelation of God. God spends a lot of time talking about his character and very little time talking about his nature. And we spend a lot of time arguing about his nature and too little time trying to emulate his character. He is a known God. And he is an involved God. He is a God who is, who is constantly present with us. He sees our every action. He knows how many hairs are on, on our body. He knows every intimate detail about who we are because his eyes are on us continually. He knows your needs before you know them. He, he knows your prayer requests before you ask them. He knows every word that, that you want to say that you prevent yourself from saying. And he is... He, he is honors those good decisions that we make. He also sees the bad ones. And he sees our failures. And he sees our prejudices. And he sees when we hold grudges against others. And he knows exactly how those relationships should be solved. And he's already given us the answer on how to do those things if we would just do those things the way he has done those things to reconcile his relationship with his enemies, which is you and me. We have a God who is intimately involved in our lives, who is present. We can go nowhere to hide from him, it says in Psalm 139. Nowhere. 
There is no escaping God because he is involved in your life. God is not some sort of authoritarian judge. Yes, he has authority. Yes, he is a judge, but he is not a harsh, brutal judge who is up there wishing for our downfall and damnation. But I think sometimes we present God that way. He's not some arbitrary rule maker. He's not just up there making rules going, you know what, if we throw this one in there, there's no way in the world they'll succeed. He's not that kind of God. God is a, and this is where I think we struggle sometimes, he is a real being full of emotions and thoughts and personality why we can be told about God or from God my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts we can be told that that God sorrows on our behalf we can be told that God is a God of comfort and he is a God of peace and he is a God of justice, and he is a God of love, and he is a God who shows kindness through demonstrating his mercy and his grace. We have a God who is a true, real, active being. And I think sometimes we, we fail to forget that. And we, we don't fail. We do forget that. I, I think sometimes God is, is more of this poster on the wall We know he's there. We know we've got to give lip service. We know he's something, but he's this almost inanimate thing thing over there that, that, yeah, we've got to do our duties. We've got to make sure we we take care of our our, our obligations with this, this inanimate thing over there. And we forget that he is a real being living with us every second of every day. Forget that. You know what? We make God our idol. Not not literally. None of us have statues sitting on the bookshelves at home that represent God that we bow down to and we place a few grapes and pieces of cheese in front of every day. I mean, we don't we don't literally serve an idol, but I think sometimes we treat God as if he is some sort of idol, some man-made concept, this inanimate thing over here that we've got to give service to, but we don't really have to live for. And we forget just how active he is. God is powerful enough to condemn, but kind enough to be patient. That's the kind of God we serve. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but shall have eternal life. Beautiful passage about God's love, his love for people who don't deserve it, his love for people who aren't going to appreciate it. But because he is a real being who cares deeply about his creation, he did what was necessary in order to give us hope. That's a real being. 
That's the way real, live, emotional, thoughtful, personal beings work. 1 John 3.16. This is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brethren, our brothers and sisters. 1 John 4, verse 11, dear friends, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another the same way. We have a great God who loves us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. Do you hear that? that? That's not the actions and thoughts and motivations of an inanimate thing. That, that's the thoughts and emotions of a real, live being who loves you. That's what we have there. We have a God who loves us. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 2, says this. We'll just start in verse 1. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, once disobedient and deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness, which we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I, I love that. I love that it places all of the weight of our salvation and hope not on our achievement, not on our accomplishment, not on our behavior, not on our earning it, but on God. Because God loved us so much that he took people who were foolish, who were disobedient, who were rebellious, who were stupid, and he made us good. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Over here, this well-known passage tells us that for those who belong to Christ, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 14, verse 1 through 6 tells us that he wants us to come and dwell in his house one day. You know, all of these passages and, and countless others tell us that God is a relational king. We have a servant savior. He is our father. He is one who wants us and desires us and doesn't just want a bunch of servants scurrying around his kingdom who don't really know him, who have no relationship with him, but who do the right thing. I think we think that sometimes. What he wants is a relationship. He wants you and me in his house. 
He wants you and me to know him the way he knows us. He wants you and me to draw closer to him because he has placed himself right there, accessible for every single one of us who's willing to reach out and belong to him. Now turn with me back to Hebrews chapter 11, the one that Con read earlier. And there's the beginning of what I think, this is the beginning, understand that, the beginning of what I think it means to get deeper with God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You want to draw near to God? You want to seek depth with God? You want to be closer to God? It begins by knowing who he is. And that's what I've tried to, to quickly sum up for you today, give you a bit of an overview that God is not merely some being far away, but he is a relational God. He is close. He is desirous of a relationship with us. He is a God who has gone to incredible lengths to make it possible for you and me, sinners without hope, to be hopeful, redeemed people. He's a God who made all that possible. You want to draw nearer to God, you've got to truly believe that he rewards. He rewards. And, and again, I, I think intellectually we know that. I don't know that experientially we've let that sink in. I, I don't know that we've, we've truly let our concept of the goodness of God hit home with us because I, I feel and, and that maybe this is just me and the way I, I've listened to lessons over the years and maybe I've misinterpreted things that people have said to me and uh, maybe all that's true maybe this is maybe I am preaching only to myself today and and if so I apologize but this is good for me I think sometimes we feel like we are paying God back for the good he has done for us as if our deeds are worth that much. I think sometimes it, it's, we think coming to church is like writing a thank you note. And as long as we write that thank you note, well then now we're even, I mean even Stephen now, I, I can't church for you. I, I think sometimes we have duped ourselves into thinking we are not indebted to him. And the truth is we owe everything. It, coming to God, drawing near to God is not about paying him back. It is about recognizing him as the rewarder, as the giver, as the, as the source of grace. All those undeserved gifts that he throws out on the table for us, 
And we can do nothing to earn all of that. We can do nothing to pay him back. We can do, we cannot end in our praise and gratitude for what he has made possible for you and me. And we've got to realize that. When when we have this perspective that as long as I go to church and as long as I I keep my Bible by by my favorite chair at home and occasionally crack it open and I say my meal prayers and I make sure that I at least pray a short prayer before I go to bed at night because I know if I pray long I'll just fall asleep and and, uh, and, and then I, I know I need to be friendly when I'm at church. And, 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 and that, as long as I do these, these certain tasks and I mark these things off, then I, am, I have shown my gratefulness to God and we're even. Never. Never will you be even with your God. Part of the task is to truly start seeking God. I I love the way it words it here in verse 6. He rewards those who seek him. Notice, it, it doesn't say those who have found him. Do you recognize the difference between those two things? Because I, I wonder sometimes if we as Christians in the church believe that we are, we are rightfully saved because we found the answer. We found the right church. We found the, the, the truth. We found baptism and because we found all the right things and to be honest most of us were just born into it we're good with God and that is not what it says what it says is those who seek him that is an active process that is something that is continual we have to be those who are in a constant search for a deeper and, and, and more in-depth relationship with God. We are those who are developing in our relationship. We are never to the end of that. And I would argue, not even in eternity. We are still developing a closeness and intimacy with God around his throne. We are still trying to give him the gratitude he deserves around his throne. But it is all about increasing and growth and continually seeking. One more passage for you over in first, or excuse me, second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Here it talks about maturity and growth and it talks about what it means to grow and have a greater confidence in our relationship with God. And I love the way that it puts it here, this is starting in verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort. Diligently do this. Supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind 
and short-sighted and has forgotten his cleansing from his past sin. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort diligently confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, developing, growing, seeking, increasing, being diligent in our service, in our, in our development of this relationship with God, in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Now I want you to note just one or two things as we wrap up this morning about this passage of Scripture. One is, and I, I tried to emphasize this as I read it, but I will just point blank say it in case you didn't catch it. It says increasing, growing, diligently applying, a constant, continual effort of growth and maturity, that all of that, that concept of growth, that concept of you have not arrived yet and never will, is prevalent in this passage. Did you notice that? Yes or no? Okay. Hopefully you get it now if you didn't notice it when we read it second thing I want you to note here is this. After you have done all these things, which there's really not an after because you will continually be doing all these things. As you do these things, if you come to the end of your life and you are still doing these things, still practicing this growing depth of relationship with God and maturity, even if you spend every day devoted to these things, the end of verse 11 says, the entrance will be provided for you, not earned by you, but provided you. You cannot ever feel like you've arrived. And when we do, we have shut down a relationship with God that is an ever-growing process. And it is an ever-deepening relationship. We're going to talk more about this this evening, and I want to encourage you to read Psalm 73 this afternoon. Psalm 73. That's where we're going to spend pretty much our entire time this evening. Psalm 73, as you read it this afternoon, you'll understand exactly why. But I think it's important for us to dig deeper into this. Because there is a wealth of relationship that is offered to us as God's people. That I, I wonder sometimes if we're not truly taking advantage of. Because we feel like we've arrived. We feel like we've found the answer. We feel like we're done. Other than some habitual service projects that we need to continue doing. That, that's not what serving God is about. Serving God is about knowing him intimately. If you're not a child of God, t today would be the good day to start that. If, 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 it's a great experience. I'm not going to say easy. It's hard. There is continual work and practice and devotion and diligence and, and growth and all of these things that are a part of serving God. And, and, and so I don't want to paint a false picture. It's work, but it is work worth doing.
And it is work that is rewarded because God is a generous and giving God. So if you're not a child of God, I encourage you to become one today. For those of us who are children of God, I, I don't know if maybe, maybe I'm speaking to the choir here, so to speak, that I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of people who have grown deeply in their relationship. And if that's the case, help me. But maybe these words and these thoughts and these verses have helped you realize that there is depth that is yet uncharted in your relationship with God and that we can grow deeper and stronger in it as we draw closer to him. If you need the invitation to get your life right or maybe the prayers of the saints here, we encourage you to come forward to this front row and let us help you as we stand oh, and sing. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.